The text for the message this morning is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, that we just read together. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you remember when it was warm enough to stand in flowing water? Maybe your children, your children, you were playing in the North Saskatchewan, and your mom or your dad told you to stand firm in the current so you wouldn't lose your footing and get swept away. Well, when you grow up, public opinion, magnified by the media, can feel like you're in a current like that all over again. In our teenage years, it's even called peer pressure, and it usually doesn't want to carry you to a place of more holiness. In order to be Christian today, we need to stand firm in our faith. And it's important to start 2022 with that understanding in our minds, with that resolve, that commitment in our hearts. The Gentile Christians in the church of the Thessalonians were being persecuted for their faith. You can read a bit about that in Acts chapter 17. They were experiencing many tribulations. They were looking for some comfort in the midst of these afflictions. Heresy even entered the church when people who were pretending to be apostles explained that the Lord's coming had already happened. We read about that in chapter 2. Perhaps confused or connected with this misunderstanding, some divisive people in the church even probably stopped working at their daily jobs and caused disturbance in the church. And you can see that in the warning against idleness in chapter uh, 3. Paul explains that all these things are happening because God's wrath is being revealed. It's already evident in the world. And we see that in verses 11 and 12. For God sends a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The verses before, we see that that included false signs and wonders, an activity of Satan that sometimes threatens the church. And that is why we can be so very thankful when we are not deluded, when we are not misled. We hear the Word of God by the grace of God. We're able to recognize the errors of Satan by the grace of God. We respond to the Word with faith by the grace of God. And so Paul is saying we ought always to give thanks to God for His grace. We begin this year thanking God that we can stand firm in the faith. God's beloved can stand firm in our faith, giving thanks to Him. We'll first see that we give thanks that we, uh, for who we are in Christ. And secondly, we stand firm in what we have in Christ. The world we read is deceived by the power of the signs and wonders of Satan and his followers. Signs from God lead us to 
believe and understand the Word of God, false signs mislead us to turn away from the Word of God. God, we read, has sent a delusion into the minds of the wicked so that they believe that they are equal to God, that they, they, they need to be worshipped as if they were in a temple. In doing this, God is already judging those whose hearts started in rebellion against him. And, says Paul, they can know what to expect on Judgment Day if they do not repent. It's a very serious warning that we utter to one another, but also to the world, our neighbors. The darkness, the deception, the manifestations of diabolic power meant that it can be very difficult to follow Jesus Christ, to walk in the truth. We can feel that pressure ourselves in our lives. Yet, in spite of all that suffering and persecution and that activity of the fallen angel, Satan, there still is a group of people, the church of the living God, who seek to worship him. For Paul, that's a reason of great thanksgiving to God. The very existence of a church in this world leads Paul to say that we ought always to give thanks to God. When we see that it's only by God's powerful work that we are here today to worship Him, we feel obligated, we ought to give thanks. The church owes an eternal debt of gratitude to God for all that she has received. And then we see in verse 13 that the church is called the beloved by the Lord. Every Every time we hear the Word of God, we're addressed as a beloved church. A church that God the Father loves in Jesus Christ. And he repeats that again also in, in verse 16. That God, our, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father who loved us. When we try to discover why, why is it that God loves us? Why are we still in this world following him, we who know ourselves, we know enough to know that it has nothing to do with anything that we have done. This love of God is not earned. It's just one sin is enough to condemn us. But it's a manifestation of God's good pleasure and his perfect will. And if we who must fight against a desire to rebel against the Lord, if we are loved by God, we can be sure that that is an irrefutable reason for great and deep thanksgiving. Every time you hear the word beloved, we praise God. The Holy Spirit tells believers that God chose them as the first fruits to be saved. The first fruits of the harvest are the first to be gathered in at the very beginning. We're reminded of the word of God in Ephesians 1 verse 4 that he chose us before the foundation of the world in Christ. Do you see that you, do you see uh, who you are and that you are who you are because of God's eternal decision to save you, to give you faith in Jesus Christ? When you pray to the Lord, you can thank him from preventing you from being deceived by the activity of Satan and for not being misled by the false signs and and wonders that impress so many people on their way 
to eternal death as they are perishing. We don't know why God has chosen you or, or me specifically, but we do know that he does not deceive his elect. And so we join Paul in giving thanks to God. The Thessalonians could rejoice that they were among the first Gentiles to know Jesus Christ. And we praise God that we also may be among the first, among the harvest of those whom God has chosen to salvation in Jesus Christ. We have a new and a glorious reality in Jesus Christ that we share with the church of all ages and all places in the world. God's grace in our lives is, is overwhelming and well aware of what we deserve. We praise him that he is our God and we are his people. Now when someone gives us a really big gift, we usually discover that we don't really know what to say. We don't know how to respond. It's hard to believe them if they tell us they, they love us and have given the gift just because they wanted to. Since the promise of salvation from God's wrath is something that we can only finally see after we die, our minds now are searching for certainty about the truth. Is it something that I did? Is it, how can I know that this is true for me as well? Beloved by the Lord, you don't have to merely depend on the minister's declaration of the truth of the apostles' words even though it's written out for us in black and white in the Word of God. For election to salvation, we read, is always accompanied by sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. If you have doubts, you just have to ask, do I believe the truth of what I just read? Am I worshiping the Lord together with this congregation today, because I love the truth and believe what God has said to me? Can I see the Holy Spirit sanctifying my words, my heart, and my actions by giving me the desire for peace with God as I seek to obey His commandments in sincere love for my neighbor? If you see these things, in your life, they prove that you are the beloved, those whom God has chosen. The Lord calls all those whom he has elected to sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth through our gospel. We read that in, uh, in verse 14. To this he called you through our gospel. When Paul talked about our gospel, He's talking about the gospel message of Christ that he preached that we can read about in the Bible. And then we can see a contrast that Paul makes throughout the letters. Those who are not loved by God do not joyfully receive the apostolic teaching. But those who are loved by God believe the truth. You can see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-10. to the Lord there explains that the evidence of God's righteous judgment can be seen in God's vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. But also, we see the evidence of God's righteous judgment in His grace to the saints who believe 
the testimony of the apostles and glorify Christ in his coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, the apostle Paul explains that God's people receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The apostle thanks God that when his church received the word of God, which they heard preached to them, they accepted it not as the word of men, but as it is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. That's in chapter 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. The comfort of obtaining the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's a gift for everyone who believes. Every time you hear the preaching, God is calling you to believe the truth, to live in all holiness and purity, to find comfort in the knowledge that you may share in Christ's glorious resurrection from the dead and victory over death and sin and the devil. Believing it is, is receiving it, making it real, something that you know as the truth. Beloved church, do you see who you are in God's sight? Although the world may hate the gospel and hate the Lord, the offer of salvation from our sins, although you may feel despised and belittled by people who don't know the truth, God tells you in his word that you are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. God chose you before the foundation of the world. God called people to preach the gospel to you because he wants you to obtain the glory of Jesus Christ to share in his eternal kingdom. The fact that you have believed the preaching of the truth, that you have declared your faith and are in continual process of sanctification, that's evidence of your situation. Standing on such a firm foundation, surrounded by such infinite love, comforted by such a promise of peace with God for eternity. We feel an overwhelming desire to praise God with all our hearts and our minds and our strength. We ought always to give thanks to God for who we are and we ought to stand firm in what we have. Paul begins verse 15 with the words, So then, because the work of God has consequences for the church. He says, so then, because when he works, you could see the fruit of his work. The explanation, the indicative, is followed by the exhortation, the command, the imperative to stand firm. Now when he commands us to stand firm, the Holy Spirit does not say that we need something more. He doesn't say, God has done this, now get something more or, or be more of something else. But he starts with everything that we already have, everything that we already are, already have received in Jesus Christ. Paul's language reminds us of what our Lord Jesus taught in John 15, verses 3 to 4, where he says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
in the midst of all the disturbances caused by false prophets in the church in Thessalonica, Paul exerts, exhorts Christians to remain, to abide, to stand firm in what they have already received in Jesus Christ. False prophets do not have the truth. And they show this because they reject the apostles' teaching, because they lead people to walk in idleness that is not in accord with the tradition that was received from the apostles. We read that in chapter 3, verse 7 of 2 Thessalonians. The church, however, has the truth. And says Paul, she must faithfully abide in the truth. And so Paul exhorts us, stand firm and hold to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now since the word tradition stirs up memories of fiddler on the roof, or perhaps uh, a visit with our grandparents where we were reproved for some lifestyle choices that weren't reformed enough, it's good to understand that with the word traditions, Paul is not talking about cultural customs that have developed over time. Unfortunately, throughout the centuries, there has been a lot of mixing of categories. And sometimes people have wrongly associated particular activities with good Christianity. For example, in some places there are unwritten expectations about what political party Christians should vote for or how we should educate our children, or even what a church building should look like. It's interesting to realize that we could still be standing firm in the traditions that Paul is talking about if we used an Eastern calendar instead of a Western one and marked the changing of the year at a different time than we do right now. You see, when Paul talks about traditions He's not talking about a particular body of traditions as Canadians living in the 21st century. And he isn't in favor of traditionalism that makes common, comfortable practice a new God in our lives. But he's talking about the body of teaching that he preached to the Thessalonians, which he referred to in verse 14 as our gospel. The letter to the Romans is an example of the tradition that the Lord is calling us to uphold in our lives. Because Paul is talking about the announcement of the gracious work of the triune God. Every personal belief, every personal practice or habit that our consciences have clung to as necessary for Christian living must always be compared to the Word of God, to the traditions that Paul is speaking of. They're radical traditions, life-changing traditions. Now today, we can understand this exhortation. If you have had any contact with the different associations that call themselves churches around the world, you know very well that a church that preserves teaches and loves the basic doctrines of the church is very rare. Even doctrines like the Trinity, the divinity of Christ, the eternal wrath of God against sinners, and the affirmation that it, Jesus is the only Savior through whom we can be saved from God's wrath are regularly denied 
by many religious leaders. The modern-day prophets around the world, they, they shout, I have received a revelation, and everyone with closed Bibles follows after them. In a world that wants us to be embarrassed by the words that the apostles spoke, that the Holy Spirit gave to us in, in the letters, we need the exhortation to stand firm, to hold on to the traditions that were taught us. Brothers and sisters, do not lose your grip on the gospel. Plant your feet firmly on the word of God. Even though the modern currents are pushing against you and trying to sweep you off your feet, hold on to everything that is taught in the Holy Scriptures about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, about our salvation. Make good use of the summaries that have been made throughout the years into creeds and confessions that give us guidance in our understanding, our teaching, and commitment to the living doctrines that have shaped the church in all times and in all places in the world. God has equipped us with what we need to serve him faithfully in this life. We pray that he might guide us to stand firm in the promise of the gospel. We don't need anything for our salvation, anything. We don't need to do anything for our salvation. We don't need to add anything to what we already have, but we do need to stand firm. Paul, recognizing human weaknesses and the ease with which churches turn from the, the truth, feeling the, the pressure of society, he ends this part, he, this text, with a prayer. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. The prayer continues further in, in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 5. That was also the display text today. Now may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. It reminds us also of the home visit theme, Hebrews 12, to the call to endurance. The prayer of Paul brings everything together. You see how it brings it all together. It is a fitting prayer to begin 2022. We are loved. We have eternal comfort. It's not tied to temporary things of this world, but is given to our hearts directly from God, who is outside of time, but never absent from us. God, our Father, and the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ himself has given us good hope through grace. Not a hope that is dependent on what we have done in the past, nor on what we can achieve in the coming year, but a good hope that is sound, unwavering, unshakable since it's based on our Heavenly Father's grace and He is unchanging and eternal like we sang in Psalm 102. At the beginning of 2022, we turn to this gracious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself requesting, asking for all 
that he has already obtained for us. May he comfort our hearts. May we understand who we are in Christ Jesus. May we rejoice in the peace that we have with our eternal God that no one can take away from us. May he establish our hearts in every good work and word. May we stand firm in the teaching of Scripture so that we may show our desire, to, our deep love to God and to our neighbor with everything that we do and everything that we say. If we are standing firm, we do so, giving thanks to God. Amen.